Welcome to the conversation. My name is Benjamin Dixon. I'm host of the Benjamin Dixon Show, filling in, and I'm excited to be joined this afternoon by Chris Boutte. He is a content manager for Blue and Ivy. He is a mental health influencer, and he's also known as the Rewired Soul on YouTube. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. I am. I've been fascinated with what's going on with your story, particularly with QAnon. And the video that you posted debunking their myths and their mythology and their lies. And the fact that in posting that video, you got struck down originally by YouTube. The video was down for a while and then it came back. Mm-hmm. I wanna talk about your experience with YouTube as well as the conspiracy theory itself. But just tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so I'm the content manager over at Bell and Ivy. We're a personal branding company and we work with a lot of clients. But on the side, I run the Rewired Soul YouTube channel and I've, you know, self published the books and everything like that. And recently on my channel, I've been really trying to get people to start critically thinking and being skeptical. And, you know, and during this time of like COVID and everything like that, I think it's. It's so important that we have the proper information out there. And I've known people here in Las Vegas who are debating not getting vaccinated because they hear this kind of QAnon conspiracy theories. So yeah, I found one of the bigger channels, which has since been taken down completely. But yeah, I found one of the channels and I made a video debunking what he said and showed the evidence and YouTube ended up taking my video down by mistake. So there's a couple things here, right? So there's the the mechanisms and the uh, the machinations of YouTube and their decision making, which I think has a huge influence on the conversation in terms of social media. Um, and then there's a QAnon aspect of it. But then also you you're considered or you consider yourself a mental health influencer. I want to see how do you describe that exactly? But specifically, how does that intersect with the work that you did on the QAnon story? Yeah. So so I am I'm not a licensed mental health professional or anything like that. But I am a recovering drug addict. I've struggled with my own depression and anxiety. And I try to share my experience and take the information from professionals and share them with my audience, right? And you know, some a form of therapy that I've actually benefited from greatly is called rational emotive behavioral therapy. It helps us think more rationally, right? Because a lot of times, like when we're struggling with depression or anxiety, we're running off emotions, right? So just bringing in this critical thinking aspect to my channel, it's kind of like training your thought processes. Like if we can critically think and look at you know news stories that we hear or whatever like that, it'll trickle over into our mental health too. (laughs) So you know what I mean? Because you know, when anxiety's going crazy or depression's talking to you, you know, what's helped me is like to sit back and think rationally. So I'm trying to teach my audience to think rationally about other things that they come across online just to develop that skill. And how do how would you say that that has interacted with your motivation for doing the QAnon video and the understanding and communicating to the QAnon phenomenon? Yeah, well, you know, obviously, like there's been a massive mental health crisis since COVID, you know, locked us down, right? You know, as somebody who's a recovering drug addict, I know that addiction rates have been going up, depression rates are going up, we have insane unemployment rates, you know, and even people who aren't unemployed, they're dealing with anxiety. So, like, we already we already have all these mental health issues. And the last thing that we need is an organization, or not even an organization, just people who affiliate themselves with QAnon saying, 
hey, masks don't work, don't wear masks. This is a government conspiracy to get right. control over you. It's like, yo, we got enough problems right now. We don't need you spreading that information too. Right, right. So let's jump right into it in terms of QAnon, right? Um, I think most people watching this would be already familiar with QAnon because they have become um, uh, infamous phenomenon, but yet mm -hmm. infamous. Um, give us a quick snapshot of how you would define QAnon and then tell us about your video that got taken down by YouTube. Yeah, so so QAnon, it is, if you go down that rabbit hole, it is very deep, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, Q, QAnon is a far right conspiracy group. They <laughs> don't quote, I, well, yeah, I guess you gotta quote me on this. But uh, they believe that Donald Trump is like their savior. Yeah. And every move and screw up that he does is actually extremely intellectual and well thought out. Like that's kind of what they believe, right? And they believe that Donald Trump is here to save the world. But they, you know, they believe in like this global, cabal like uh, you know and uh, people like you know drinking baby blood and just all sorts of stuff right and what you find like I do a lot of reading and research on conspiracy theorists and something I find really fascinating is that like if you were to take 50 people from QAnon right 10 of them might believe in this conspiracy and not believe and the and they don't believe in any of the other ones you know yeah. what I mean so it's yeah it's kind of interesting. So anyways- It's like a buffet uh, of conspiracy theories. Yeah, yeah. And and I think one of the ways they kind of self-rationalize and you know uh, stay in certain conspiracies is they're like, oh, well, I don't believe in that one. That one's crazy. But this mm -hmm. one, you know, this one's legit. Like JFK yeah. Jr. has been going to Donald Trump rallies. You know what I mean? <laughs> but they're like, but those other ones are crazy. Um, <laughs> But yeah, there was a channel called Destroying the uh, Destroying the Illusion, big QAnon channel, um, and he had like two. I want to say two hundred thousand subscribers, maybe more. Two thirty-five. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> Not uh, to be precise, yeah, he was yeah. big. He it was, was a lot, and the video I I debunked at the time had thirty-five thousand views, and the likes on it were astronomical. It was like thousands of likes, a couple hundred dislikes, and I'm like, yo. People are agreeing with this. Like, we need to get the rational side of this argument, right? right. Like, uh, especially you know, with me trying to teach my audience, but also like, I don't know. It's important, and that's that's why it was such a bummer when YouTube took down my video. We need to be able to debunk them. Like, I am very, <laughs> I know that the free speech thing is a very nuanced conversation and kind of tricky. But if they're going to be allowed to say that, we have to be able to debunk it. We have counter. Absolutely. In your video, um, you you really pointed out some key things that I think are critical in understanding the almost the reverse psychology um, of QAnon. One of the first things you said was that, in a sense, he was telling his audience to rebel against control from the government, but he was using the power of his influence to command and demand obedience from his audience. Could you speak to that that phenomenon? Yeah, that is like something else that I'm just really interested in is cults. I don't like to just throw that word around, but but seeing people because they believe like that's kind of what I was talking about in that video is they believe that they are independent thinkers while simultaneously being the victims of groupthink, mm. right? Like we we have to it doesn't matter and this is something i try to teach my audience too it doesn't matter if it's your coworkers your family or whatever it is you have to sit back and say hey is this really a good idea does this make sense and i learned that 
uh, I, I learned that lesson in early sobriety. I had to realize that you know I was hanging out with a bunch of people who had a lot of bad ideas, but when you're in the middle of it, you think it's a great idea. You know what I mean? So I I, I do think that it's important, like no matter whether you're with QAnon or you know any other group, you have to be able to take a step back and be an independent thinker. I, I've been trying to, you know, my son's only 11 years old, and that's something I'm trying to teach him. You know. Mm. Now, let's. Well, we only have a few minutes left here, but uh, and there's so much that we can and should talk about. Mm-hmm. But I want to ask you about the uh, YouTube bringing it down. YouTube basically saying because you discussed QAnon, it needs to come down. Versus the fact that you were actually debunking QAnon. Yeah, man, it was it was wild, and I, I think you know just working with Bell and Ivy, and we have so many clients, and we run their social media, and like I experience this on my social media. It's their system is automated, right? Yeah. So it probably got flagged, and like. The thing is, like, there's a lot of YouTube creators who think YouTube is malicious and they're like this evil corporation. I realize that they got this algorithm and it's just screwing up, right? The problem is, is that I submitted it for review and yeah. they rejected it. Okay, and there was another big channel um, called uh, God, what's his name, Lightning Foot, and he had the same thing happen to him. And they say they had a human review it, but they didn't, right? And they're mm-hmm. like, hey. We're upholding this decision and you're like, what is happening? So it took me making a lot of noise. Like I only have 81,000 subscribers. I had to make a lot of noise. I had other YouTubers with millions of subscribers retweeting me and tweeting at YouTube. And it took um, another news organization, Insider, to pressure YouTube until my video went back up. Wow. Wow, I'm very familiar with that process of them <laughs> blaming the algorithm, and 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 I might be one of those people who feel like YouTube comes after me. Yeah. But, but their algorithm does get it wrong, and they admitted as much after they reviewed your case. They they admitted mm-hmm. that the algorithm gets it wrong, and they put it back up. And here we are now. You're able to share your story. Mm-hmm. Give us the last word. What do you? What is the big takeaway from this that you want the audience to know? <sighs> So, so yeah, right now, you, uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all these social media sites crack down on QAnon. That channel that I debunked is now no longer on YouTube right now. But uh, I know right now we're in a weird time right before the presidential elections where they're cracking down again. Yeah. But I, I just wish YouTube would be more transparent. Like if they would just say, hey, we don't have enough humans to do human review, that'd yeah. be cool. You know, yeah. that's, all I, that's all we want. Absolutely, Chris Boutte, thank you so much for your work on QAnon, debunking it and continue doing the good work, man. Thanks. Welcome back to the conversation. Benjamin Dixon, host of the Benjamin Dixon Show. I'm now joined by Tim Ward. He's an author, publisher, teacher, and a traveler. He co-authored the book Pro Truth, a practical guide, a practical plan for putting truth back into politics. Tim, this is a very precarious time that we're living in. Thanks so much for joining me. So true, right. Um, Never before in a sense has truth been on the ballot box. This selection is going to be as much a referendum on what matters to Americans. What do they see as their values? And how do they want the world to see them in terms of uh, not just the issues, but also does truth matter? Does truth matter? And I, I mean, not to wax, you know, like an armchair philosopher, but does truth even exist in this post-truth America? Let's start with your work for protruthpledge.org. Tell us about that, and then we'll move into this election and the truth being on the ballot. So this is a movement, the Pro Truth Pledge, that anybody can sign on to, which 
is a voluntary commitment to practice truthful behaviors when it comes to politics and particularly around social media. Over 11,000 people have signed it so far, but most importantly, over a thousand elected officials from, from a whole spectrum of political parties have signed it as well. Anyone who signs that pledge and then violates it, lies, spreads misinformation, who's a public figure, um, they can that can be brought to our attention, it'll be adjudicated and they'll be asked to retract it. If they yeah. don't, then we put that on our website. So it's one way that citizens can begin to enforce truthful behavior as something that we value. And we need to send that signal to politi- to political leaders that people value truth. So I want to go two directions with this. First, tell us a little bit. Um, tell us a little bit about the substance of the pledge itself. I, I I recall actually my team signing it and insist. You know, we discussed this right back in 2016. So you've been working on this for a little while. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The pledge came out of the. Um, the campaign for the previous presidential election where we first moved into this conversation about post truth and alternative facts. People seeing that the facts could be shunted aside and people could be told things that aligned with their with their values, with what they wanted to be true as opposed to what was actually true in some cases. The pledge itself is focused on truthful behaviors concerning how you spread information online and really how anybody shares information, particularly with relevance to politics. So the first one is to verify truth. That simply means don't share stuff on social media unless you have fact checked it. Or you've read it from a reliable source and even then you would occasionally fact check. This prevents so much misinformation from going out there. And I know everybody has the experience. You read something, you go, "Oh my gosh, maybe it strikes you as horrible, maybe it strikes you as ah, and you just send it out. Mm. But what we forget is the misinformation factories that are out there are paying people to create fake news that perfectly fits what you want to be true. That perfectly fits the kinds of divisive stories that people look for because they know they'll repost them. So we want to be, I I think of it like this sometimes, that this information is like a fishing lure, well crafted so that a fish will bite it. And we are the fish. We see something that seems juicy. We want to just clomp on it, believe it, and pass it on. We need to get smarter. We need to be smarter than those who are trying to misinform us. And the so, first step is to fact check, right? So fact check. Yeah, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to, I don't want to interrupt you, but it seems like that's that's would be common knowledge, right? That people would go through that basic step of journalism or if you're a public figure of just checking out your sources. My question that I really wanna hear you speak on is, where do you think that turn and that pivot came to where we went headlong into embracing misinformation and fake news because of the confirmation bias? Right, right. So the confirmation biases are willingness to believe information that matches what we already think and feel, and our tendency to ignore information that doesn't match what we already think and feel. And um, basically, you're talking about the algorithms of social media that mm. see where we spend our time, that's notice what we like. We're basically feeding our confirmation bias into social media log- algorithms that give us more of that and also make our data more available for those who want to deceive us by telling us what they think we'll readily believe. So um, now here's what I noticed when I signed the pledge. I noticed that there were times that I was about to just forward something on and they'd say, 
yeah, but I can't do that because I signed the pledge. So I fact check it. Sometimes I discover it was wrong. Now, the second thing when you sign the pledge is you let other people know about it. And if they correct you, you have to thank them for it and retract, unpost, yeah. withdraw stuff. I've done that myself with friends of mine who have very different political views and said, hey, I thought you signed this pledge. And be like, ah, I didn't check that thoroughly enough. So I do it. I thank them. That makes me humble. And then I take it down and that makes my network a little less deceptive. Here's my question for you in general, but also specific to the pledge and the implementation of people who may violate the pledge. Who's the final arbiter of truth in that process? Well, I mean, frankly, 95% of the time, it's not that hard, right? Things either happened or they didn't happen, right? Mm -hmm. Figures are either quoted accurately or, or misquoted. That 5%, we actually do have a an adjudication board, if there's something that's brought to us, we'll take a look at it. And if the person seems to have violated and spread misinformation, we'll tell them. If they don't take it down, we'll then censure them on our on our website. This is incentive for politicians both to sign it, but then to live up to the pledge. And I'm happy to say over a thousand elected officials have signed the pledge so far, including seven members of Congress from both parties. Mm. So it's beginning to get some traction. What is that balance like in terms of people willingness? Is there a, is it a bipartisan split there or is there an imbalance in who was willing to sign and who's not in terms well, of political party? Most people have not yet been asked who are representatives, please sign the pledge. That's one of the thing our campaign volunteers are doing. What we see now in the, 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 that there's lots of folks in both parties. I don't have a count for you. I know in those congressional representatives, of the seven who signed, only one is a Republican. The first Republican just signed last week, obviously feeling some pressure from this mm-hmm. um, from this campaign. That's what we want. We want people to see it's in their advantage to commit to being honest politicians. Mm. What do you think of the idea that um, holding ourselves to a standard that perhaps our opposition won't hold? If we're holding ourselves to the standard of truth and the opposition is not, doesn't that, do you think that puts us at a disadvantage? You know, I think politicians will struggle with that, but ultimately your credibility, that's what people are gonna vote for. You know, you may have seen this hashtag out there, personality or policies over personalities yeah. by people who wanna vote for Trump, but they don't like his personality, but they think they like his tax policies. Mm-hmm. Well. That's ruse. You know, far better is a hashtag a friend of mine just created character over corruption, mm-hmm. right? If you are not voting for somebody with a good character who can recognize and speak the truth to you, then sooner or later they're going to um, be incompetent and cover it up, be corrupt and lie about it. And Do you, go ahead. And possibly try to steal an election. <laughs> You're going right into where I was headed anyway. What do you think this election says about truth? I think truth is on the ballot. I've been listening to the debates, I've been listening to both candidates speaking. And President Trump has gone out and he said things that are flagrant lies about Joe Biden, lies about Biden that are so bad that Vladimir Putin has actually said no. I don't think that. <laughs> But Biden did anything wrong in Ukraine. You know things are bad when Vladimir Putin is the one who will even say, I can't, I can't agree with that. 
mm. with that lie. So, um, you know, but it's for it's not just for us, it's for how the world is going to see us. Will we reelect somebody who's a chronic and well established liar? How can anybody trust a treaty being signed with the United States with yeah. intelligence that the United States is, is sharing with them? If at the very top, there's someone who will lie and feels they have impunity. If Donald Trump, and we only have a few seconds here, but if Donald Trump is removed, do you think that there's a path back for the Republican Party to try to become more fact-based and truth-based? You know, I sure hope so. You know, core Republican values are, um, you know, are about following a strong moral code. They're about honor, right? They're about um, about. Being true to your beliefs, and many of them Christian or other religious beliefs. And you know, one thing, one thing that I will take from my, that I will say from the Bible is, if the truth will set you free, yeah, which is what Jesus said, then lies will bind you in chains. <laughs> or you should keep that in mind in this election season. That's that's um that's that's a very powerful statement and sentiment. Uh, Tim, thank you so much for all of your work that you're doing uh, with the Truth uh, Pro Truth Pledge. Tell us where people can find that information. The ProTruthPledge.org is the website, and there you can find our fabulous new book, which teaches you how to protect yourself against lies and how to help others find their way to valuing the truth in politics. Anywhere Tim, you can buy a book. Tim Ward, author, publisher, and teacher. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure.